Welcome to episode 64 of the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership. I'm Tim Barnes. And I'm Nathan Ruby. Well, good morning, Tim. How are you doing today? Well, I'm hanging in there. It's a busy time, busy season, all good, but uh, a lot of things happening. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, we're rolling up on year end and lots of activity at work going on. And Tim, how are you doing on your Christmas shopping list? <laughs> Christmas shopping list. Hmm. Hasn't reached the top of my to-do list yet, but it's it's there. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, Tim, you only have 23 shopping days left, so oh, you wow. better get on it. Okay. I know. I know. Speaking of days left, you know, it's only, you know, 29, 30 days until the end of the year. And Nathan and I would like to share something that we are planning for 2023. And after the new year, we're going to offer a masterclass. That's right, Tim. And what we're, what we're planning to do is pull together a group and over a I don't know. We, we, we're we're figuring out the details yet. Over a period of time, we are going to be covering fundraising, marketing slash communications, finance, governance, program, and administration. And the format of these is we'll we'll have discussions. So it'll be some some discussion from Tim and I, and you know that our our knowledge might not uh, take too long to convey. But uh, so you'll there'll be a learning component. And then there'll be a time of discussion so that the group can can talk about it and you know talk about what their situations are and some back and forth. And then at the end of each session, there will actually be a, a practical, I guess, call it homework, where you'll be able to to then work on the specific things that you've learned during the master class. And then bring that back to the next class and, and get feedback, not only from Tim and I, but also from other members of the class. So not only will you be learning from Tim and I, but you'll also be learning from each other. You know, I think that's one of the, the greatest opportunities in a master class is to be able to connect with other nonprofit executive directors. You know, as a small nonprofit leader, oftentimes you feel very isolated. And this master class is an opportunity to connect and learn and be encouraged by others who are in the same boat that, that you are in right now. So we are uh, here throughout the rest of this month. We are taking a uh, what you call a pre-list. And so if you're interested in being part of that, uh, go ahead. Our emails are in the show notes. Uh, probably email Tim. He's the he's the responsible one of the group here. Uh, but just let us know if you'd like to be part of that, and, and we'll be we'll get you some more information. We are going to limit uh, the seats in in the class. We want to make sure that it's small, that it's intimate, that it's that people have a chance to share. Uh, so we are going to limit it. We're looking at somewhere five, six, seven slots. Uh, so anyway, we'd love to have you be part of that. If you're interested, uh, send us an email, we'll get you on the list and we'll get you some more, uh, some more information on it. And I'm sure you probably already know this, but just to clarify, we are doing this online. So, uh, so you could be anywhere and we will try to set up a time that, that, that uh, works for everyone. Okay. We're excited about that. So Nathan, what are we going to talk about today? Today? We're going to cover a topic that, I don't know, maybe it's a little esoteric, uh, but it's the concept of tainted money. And a tainted gift, tainted money, is a gift that was derived illegally or through a socially unacceptable manner. 
And often tainted money is equated to larger organizations like universities or hospitals or museums. And, you know, the two big examples uh, that you you may have heard of in the news would be uh, gifts from the Sackler family uh, and the Sacklers own Purdue Pharmaceuticals, uh, which was the maker of Oxycontin. Uh, and of course, probably everybody's heard the name Bernie Madoff. Um, and well, of course, you know, there's Jeffrey Epstein that that created some issue for some organizations. And actually, if you follow cryptocurrency at all, one of the things, one of the names that's in the news right now is, is Sam Bankman Freed uh, with FTX. And so these are all big, big donors uh, from the past that made gifts uh, that actually came from what's now considered to be tainted, uh, tainted money. Uh, and it's just not them. The list goes on and on and on. We could spend a lot of time going through that extensive list. And typically tainted gifts, uh, well, they've left universities and other charities scrambling to return funds and cancel honorary degrees and take the donors' names off of buildings in order to protect their own reputations and even sometimes to avoid liability. Often this happens to larger organizations, but just because you're part of a smaller organization doesn't mean that you're immune to receiving a, a tainted gift. So to prepare to deal with tainted money, there are a couple of things that you need to, to be thinking about. One, and this is probably most important for most smaller organizations, is let's let's think about ways to not take it in the first place. So let's do some preparation in advance so that we don't end up taking money that it that we know is tainted. And then second is what do you do if you've already accepted the gift sometimes years ago and now all of a sudden that donor is in the news and the gift to your organization could be coming to light. Uh, so those are the two things that you need to think of. Today, we're going to be focusing on wh how, what do you do to avoid tainted money in the first place. And before we get into the good stuff, just, just remember that as the executive director of a small organization, there's really nothing you could do that that will 100% of the time. I mean, you do your best, you prepare, you have policies in place, you you put things in place to do the best you can, but you can't avoid 100% of this. Uh, but there are some steps that you could take place now uh, to try to mitigate some of the future risk and at least be prepared. Let's talk some examples. Tim, do you have an example for us? Let's suppose there's a a family, a prominent family in the community where you are you're working, where your organization is, and they want to donate, you know, fifty thousand dollars to your organization. They're excited about one of your programs, and they want to see expand. And they also understand that you have expenses to grow the uh, the program. So they are totally okay if you use some of the the uh, the gift for overhead. So it sounds like a great opportunity. The the one problem is. The family has made all their money by doing X. You fill in the blank. What would that be for your organization? What what would you be worried about if they made their money from, from whatever? <laughs> if you go to your board and say, oh, we just got a gift from uh, such and such family, and your board says, oh, no, we can't do that. We can't take that gift. So that's that's kind of what we're talking about. And, you know, we are a family show here and, and uh, you know, we're, we're not trying to create controversy. And every every organization has its things that are 
uh, counter to who they are as an organization and what their vision and mission is. And so that's what we're talking about is gifts that are counter to what your organization believes in. Uh, so you can fill in that blank for yourself. It's a, it's a real challenge in the world we live in today, too, like you said. I mean, because oftentimes it's, you know, what may what may really set something off in one community may not set something off in another community. And you kind of need to know what works. I, I you know, I, I also know I've heard the thing. It's like, hey, it spends no matter who gives it. <laughs> you know, if you're doing something, if you're doing something good, well, let's use it for good. But there are. There are ramifications even of, of that kind of a, a setting. So I know you've yeah. got some things you want to share with us today. I do. About I do. Yeah. Do. I, I was talking, this was actually several years ago. I was talking to another uh, executive director, very small organization. And he's, <laughs> I still laugh, but I still picture him saying this. And his comment, we were actually talking about this. Uh, and uh, he said, the problem with tainted money. Is there taint enough of it? <laughs> and so his his uh, his uh, threshold of, of taking money that came from a, a a questionable source was I don't care I need the money. Uh, what I'm doing is 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 more important than that. So bring it on. Uh, but all right, so let's talk about that a little bit. So three points. So first off, um, is have a checklist. Have a have some gift acceptance policies, but but have a checklist list that you can use when accepting larger gifts. Now, big organizations, hospitals, big museums, uh, universities, they will have, uh, uh, these organizations, they're off, often accepting six, seven, even eight figure gifts. And they have very detailed gift documentation and even contracts. And, you know, think about it a minute. If, if you're accepting, if you're on either side, if you're the organization accepting or you're the donor who's giving a $100 million gift, well, both sides of that uh, of that gift had better make sure they understand, you know, what the gift is being used for, when it's going to come, and, and all of the things that go along with that. So larger organizations often have very detailed documentation for that. Now, that's probably a little overboard for what a typical smaller organization would need. But let's just let's just have some basics uh, so that you could think through a, ahead of time. So one thing you might want to think of is do your due diligence. And to me, that would be first on your checklist. And that is due diligence is is it doesn't have to be complex, just criminal background, a criminal record check, uh, credit reports. Uh, this would be especially important if this is a large gift over a three, four or five year period. Um, you know, it, before you accept the gift and start start changing your program or building a building, you, you may want to at least make sure that 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 money is going to be there three years from now. Um, professional license, political contributions. Um, would it make a difference to your organization if you took a large gift from a donor who is also sending uh, contributions to a politician who is actively working against you, working against what your vision and mission is. That might be embarrassing to you. So political contributions, other charitable giving, uh, you know, that, and those are those are all easy to find. And even a just a simple Google search might bring up some things that you didn't necessarily know about this particular donor. So do some, just some basic due diligence. And if that's all you do, 
you will be a step ahead of, of most organizations. Nathan, so, do you yeah. think this is mostly, I mean, it's just mostly larger um, prominent gifts. Is that kind of what you're thinking about? Yeah. When you talk about this conversation. Yeah. You, know, you wouldn't be able to do this on every single gift that you got, obviously, but if you have a, a gift, you know, if, if you're a, a uh, hundred thousand dollar budget and somebody's bringing uh, a fifty thousand dollar gift to you i i would be looking at i would be looking at things like this just to make double sure um so yeah you can't do it with every single donor you're not going to do it with a a hundred dollar direct mail gift but if somebody's offering 25 percent of your budget i would want to know a little deeper who i'm dealing with um another thing you can look at is disqualified donor list uh, and again, this is something that larger organization uses uh, a lot, but smaller organizations can benefit from this too. So basically it, it's, it's taking a donor, an individual, a company or other funding source that your organization could not possibly accept a gift from. Uh, it's just like, okay, we know right off the bat, we're not going to take a gift from blank. You know, if, if you're a, uh, if you're a lung association or you're working in the in in the lung cancer you probably wouldn't want to take you know money from RJ Reynolds or you know or or from an organization that's in the tobacco industry that'd be my guess you know it's up to you but i would be my guess so things that are like obvious that you could have those ahead of time and that would be your disqualified donors list um and then another option i see i've seen this a few times it's not real prevalent but i've seen some organizations do it and basically, they have a policy that they don't really um, they they don't do PR or, or uh, with their gifts. They have a donor that makes a gift. They just they, they don't publicize that gift. They don't talk about it. They don't thank that donor in newsletters or online. And it's just it's not necessarily uh, anonymous, but they don't make a big deal about publicizing their donors. And, you know, I can see kind of both sides of that. You know, a lot of donors don't like to have a whole lot of uh, pomp and circumstance around their gift anyway. Uh, I'm not so sure I would go as far as I'm as policy. We're not going to acknowledge any gift publicly, uh, but that's an option. It's it's something that you could consider. So those are three quick things that you could put on a, on a checklist. Uh, second, um, you know, I just I, I want you to know that, hey, there is no clear cut answer to this. Uh, it, it, it's not black and white. It is this, this topic is all in gray area, but ultimately this is a board decision, uh, which is kind of nice because as the executive director, th this really isn't your, it's not really your decision. It's a board decision. Now it's probably your, uh, your role to bring this up to your board and start the discussion, but ultimately the board decides on what they want to do. And, um, so, which is, and, and having your board as a decision, and again, there's some things that you could think about. One is, uh, is your board influenced uh, aggressively by uh, two or three people? You know, boards have different makeups, they have different personalities. And if you have a board uh, with two or three people that are much more aggressive, where they say, nah, we're not going to worry about that. We're taking the money. Uh, as opposed to two or three influential board members who might be a little less aggressive, uh, a little more conservative in their decision-making. And it might be, well, you know, maybe we really shouldn't take that. So the, your board makeup will definitely influence ultimately what your, what your decisions are on this. Um, another thing to think about is what sector is your nonprofit in? Um, 
you know, if, if you're an environmental organization, uh, you probably don't want to take money from a company who is clear cutting forests in the Amazon to make more farmland, you know, or, or if you're an inner city organization trying to keep kids out of gangs, maybe you don't care about a company that's clear cutting uh, forest in the Amazon. So really what sector you're in and what sector or business sector the money is coming from that can, that can play into this as well. And then third is uh, where are you located? Uh, if you're located in a town of a thousand people and it takes about 26 minutes for all thousand people to have their nose in your business. And I, I know that town because I grew up in that town. Um, that's a little different than if you are in the heart of the city and no one outside of your, your, you know, the people that you serve and your board and your donors and your volunteers, people don't really know who you are. You know, those are different considerations. Uh, and so those are some things that'll play into that. So lastly, and this is, I, I think, a critical step that a that can be easily forgotten. Um, so don't forget to do this. If you see a potential issue with a gift, um, for gosh sakes, talk to your donor. Don't cut them out of the process. Get clarification on, on the issue. Just share with them, hey, I, I found this issue um, this might be an issue for us as an organization. Can you give me some more clarity about this? Can you can you talk to me about this? And because as you know, just because you see it on the internet doesn't make it true. So go to your donor, find out that for sure that you know the facts, then make your decision on what you could do, whether you're going to accept it or whether you're going to walk away from it. That's such an important important last step to actually talk to your donors because there is so much misinformation so you know can skew either you know all kinds of different ways and so just talking it through it and you still may have to say you know what i appreciate your generosity but we just are not going to be able to to receive your gift but at least you're up front and you're having yeah. those kind of conversations yeah. you know if you if you find yourself in that conversation tim and i i, I know that you uh, have had these conversations as well as i if you handle your handle yourself in a professional manner and you have policies set donors are not going to get upset at you they're, they're they may be disappointed because going back to our example I mean, this this family, they wanted to make a $50,000 gift because one they really liked one of your programs and they really thought it was important enough to invest their money in. So they wanted to make the, the gift. Will they be disappointed? Well, of course they'll be disappointed, but they're not going to be angry if you lay out, okay, this is our policy. This is what we ran into. And, you know, unfortunately, we're just not going to be able to accept the gift. Um, they won't, they, they will be disappointed, but they're probably not going to be angry. This discussion gives us an opportunity to really look at what our values are, who we are as an organization, and do those will those gifts, receiving those donations, will that will that go against our values? Will it go against our mission? Some of those those kind of things that we need to be thinking about in these kind of situations. Yeah, and, which of course uh, assumes Tim that that you that your board and that your organization has identified those values and that vision and that mission, you know, and, and my day job, one of the, the Haitian organization that I lead, one of our values is that we will value, um, Haitian customs and laws. So if we have a donor who wants to fund a, 
uh, one of the problems we have is, is is getting supplies into into the country. It's difficult and it's expensive. Um, there are ways to circumvent the law and, and get around things, but we don't do that, and because it goes against our values. So if we had a donor who who handed us a fifty thousand dollar check to to help us skirt the law, well, yeah, it might help those that we serve more, but it goes against our value. And so we would not take that gift. Um, and it's hard. It's hard, Tim, to walk away from a gift that you really want and really need, but you just can't. And there's, there is value, Tim, to being able to sleep at night saying, I, I know I did the right thing. Uh, and there's, there's value to that. Well, why don't you summarize what we've been talking about and send us off with some closing thoughts? Nathan. Okay. Uh, ultimately, whether to accept or not accept a potentially tainted gift is up to your board. It is your role as the executive director to address these issues ahead of time and guide your board through the thinking process to create some basic policies and checklists. But there are ramifications to these decisions. Accept the donation. And you might find yourself on the front page of the newspaper having to explain to your long-term donors why you took the money or in the, in the difficult position of having to return the money after you've already spent it. That's hard to do. If you don't accept the donation, well, okay, what's your plan to replace that 50000 gift to expand your program? Well, you know, I guess that program really wasn't that important after all, was it? Okay, well, I'm kind of kidding there, uh, but trust me, it's hard. It's hard to walk away from that. And how do you how do you replace that? How do you replace that fifty thousand dollars that you just said no to? The best advice we can give you is to have these conversations with your board prior to when you need to use them. There is no easy answers, but having the conversation ahead of time when there is no pressure as opposed to having the conversation after the donor has handed you the $50,000 check and you're wondering whether you should cash it or not, have the conversation ahead of time. It'll be a much more productive and a much better conversation. Lots to think about. And we would love to hear from you. Thanks for, for listening today. If you have some thoughts about what we've shared today, let's go ahead and reach out to us. Our emails are always in the show notes. And again, if you're interested in looking at the masterclass for 2023, we'd like to hear from you about that as well. So that's it for today. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.